0: Hello listeners, welcome to the Thursday Afternoon podcast with Francesca and Denis. We talked today with an international student's ambassador. His name is Sunday and he has a very interesting and inspiring story. We had a great, great chat with him. So if you want to know more about him and why he calls himself Sunday then uh, listen to the podcast.
1: So I will call you Sunday, right?
2: By all means. That's how everybody addresses me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and then if you want to say why... Everyone called you like this. And yeah, we can ask you now. Your real Sun-
0: name. Sunday. Sunday, why does okay. everyone calls you Sunday? Because Facebook says Ahad.
2: Yeah, but if you see that it's in, in brackets, it has Sunday written on it. Um, the, so there's a nice interesting story behind this whole, whole name and how I got it. So seven years ago when I um, started hospitality in Malaysia and I was working for this um, international hotel chain, um, Hilton, and that was my first hospitality job ever. Before that, I used to work with an NGO with my family. And in Malaysia, Ahad actually literally translates into Sunday. So Ahad is a like it's a a day in the week. So you have Ahad, Isnin, Rabu, Kamis, um, jumua, Salasa So Ahad is the day Sunday in Malaysia. And so when I was working at that hotel, my manager. She suddenly, out of, out of the blue one day, she's like, Aha, I'm just going to call you Sunday. It's so much cooler. And it's a good, good like, um, starting point to talk to people. So everyone will come up to me and be like, Hey, your name's Sunday. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's Sunday. So like, why not Tuesday? And I'm like, well, because my name's Sunday. And I was born on a Sunday morning, which makes it more interesting. That's completely by chance. (laughs) You know, I don't think my parents planned that part up. But yeah. So after that, um, that name kind of stuck to me. So it came up as a bar name. And then now everybody knows me as Sunday, like uh, everywhere. Even in some of the awards that I've won, it's actually written Sunday Mishu instead of Ahad (laughs) Hussein Mishu. But
0: um, Ahad, that's an uh, Islam name, right?
2: Arabic name, yeah. Arabic
0: name, yeah. But where are you from?
2: I am originally from Bangladesh.
0: Okay. Um, There's
2: a bit of a story to my upbringing. So um, I I don't know if you've heard the term, but um, I think I'd like to to consider myself as a third generation, a third culture kid. Basically, even though I was born in Bangladesh, I I grew up in, in Boston in Massachusetts, in the United States. So I was always away from home. And home to me is basically anywhere that I feel safe and comfortable. So it's interesting because when it comes to, like people ask me, how come how come there's nothing Bangladeshi about you? And, and the only thing I really have to say is like, look, um, it is a part of my culture and I love it. And I love my country a lot and I respect everything about it but growing up in America English was my first language and that american culture was my first experience to society so when i moved back to bangladesh after like 15 20 years i was learning a new language a new culture new traditions so that was the second part of my life but in true essence i'm not american I am Bangladeshi by birth. But then if you think of experience and culture and how you grow up and how that makes up a person, I'm more American than I am Bangladeshi. Do you get the, like...
0: I think I uh, get your point, yeah. Yeah. But um, because I feel the same. I'm a third generation Croatian in Switzerland. So I was born and raised in Switzerland, but my family is originally from Croatia and the thing that I feel is the thing that I feel is actually I don't or the people don't accept me like I'm a Swiss person in Switzerland because they say oh you have a Croatian name and uh, we hear your Croatian accent and in Croatia they say the same oh you don't live here you live in Switzerland all the time so it's another life. Do you you also felt that from the people?
2: I totally feel that. The same, like you, you put it in a much nicer way. Like that is exactly how I feel (laughs) when I go back to Bangladesh, and they're like, "Um, "You don't sound like Bangladesh, you don't act like one, you don't talk Mm -hmm. like one." But you're saying you're a Bangladeshi, and I was like, "I am."
0: (laughs) How many languages do you speak?
2: Um, I can speak English, obviously. Um, I can speak Bengali now. Um, I can speak a little bit of Malay. I can understand. Hindi a little bit I can't really speak it much yeah that's pretty much
1: it well I think it's enough
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah so Sunday yeah do you want to share with us uh, what are you doing in Darwin and uh, how did you decide to come here
2: yeah of course um so at, currently I'm doing a bachelor's of humanitarian and community studies at um charles darwin university cdu um but prior to this um the last two two years in darwin i actually finished an advanced diploma and certificate four in hospitality management so the plan was to um become a bar manager open my own bar um things didn't quite work out as i planned um, in terms of future prospects of settling down here because i really love this place and one of the reasons why I chose Darwin was having always been brought up in a big city, like Boston's really big city. And then when I moved to Malaysia, it was also a big city. Oh, I also lived in Poland for a couple of years in Warsaw. So I kind of don't like that big city life. I like quiet places. I like places where people are friendly. And when I was looking at looking, once I finished my degree in Malaysia, a little bit of story there, like it'll take, It's quite an interesting story as well, but it might take a while to go through that. But anyway, we'll not go into that. We have time Um, someday.
0: We have time. We're not busy.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So first of all, when I started my studies abroad, I actually went to Malaysia to study hospitality management. And I did study there for two years, eventually became a bar manager, Um, was supposed to um, buy shares into the bar, but because of visa, restrictions and complications nothing worked out for me there and I couldn't get a visa even though I had ownership in the bar and it was a really complicated and really frustrating time in my life where I kind of lost hope and kind of was letting go so then um, I had no choice I had to go back to Bangladesh and when I went back my father's like um, what are you going to do here and and I was like I'm not staying like I can't stay Okay, so then, um, yeah, so when I went back and my my father was not really keen in me staying because um Bangladesh, there's not much opportunity, and in terms of future studies, and for a person like me, it's very challenging to kind of get into that the culture in the society um so he was also very like pro me being um going back abroad. So he's like, where can you go? And I was thinking of places. So I had options between actually I had an option between going back to, to America. Um, There was a hospitality school in Los Angeles Um, because I'm a cocktail bartender. And it's, it's something that I do with a lot of passion and I love my drinks. I love making, giving people that experience and putting that smile on people's faces and having that interaction um, with people over the bar. So And then I had an option of going to Canada because I was also thinking about the future and how how I would settle in that country. And Canada was a very prospective option. And then I had Australia, which was quite interesting. And the first school I came upon in Australia was... um, The first college I was studying in here was International College of Advanced Education, which provides like a vocational training, basically. And... My first experience was a bit disappointing because I thought maybe because I already had a diploma in hospitality management and managerial experience in Malaysia that I could directly enroll into an advanced diploma, but due to Australian standards and they were like, you know, you can't, you have to complete your certificate four here before you can enroll into a diploma or advanced diploma. So I was like, okay, whatever, let's do this. Um, so I and then I was doing other research as to why shouldn't I go to Melbourne, why shouldn't I go to Sydney, and why should I not choose Canada? because Canada has similar migration options as Australia, and the only reason I chose Darwin was because when I did my studies here, like Darwin is a very hospitality based industry, it's a really strong industry of hospitality here, and the population's not too big, and the the income like the casual income rate is probably the highest i would say so it had a lot of positive sides to it which when i was doing my like um financial planning and everything i was thinking you oh, know this is pretty this is this will be a little bit of an adventure i get to check out a new place i've never been to australia so i was like yeah let's do this i can always move if i wanted to so that's what brought me to darwin and then yeah, and then um, once I finished my advanced diploma, everyone was talking about you know, getting sponsorship, and then we thought we could get a graduate visa. But yeah, things didn't really quite work out as planned. So then I thought, thought now what am I going to do? Um, so after a point, I was like, well, maybe it's time to go back into community work, which I also have experience in. and. It's a three-year course, CDU. Um, once I finish that, it's a pretty sure shot way of getting, getting a migration into Australia. And even if that doesn't work out, I can always take my degree and I can move back to Canada or America.
0: So would you say uh, bartending and cocktail mixing is more like your passion or hobby, but the community work is the actual work that you want to do?
2: Yeah. So what I realized in in this last, like I've been bartending for over five years um, and I've worked in numerous clubs and, and it's, it's great. I love it. And the passion has more become my hobby now because I can't really see like a distant future where I, I'll do this forever. And the immediate rewards are good. Like I feel really good. Every day is great sometimes very challenging, this industry, but when I think deeper about life and what, what it means to be a person and then what am I giving back to society? How am I growing as a person? I kind of st- stood back and then I was thinking, yeah, um, I need to do something greater. If I really want to help people, I really need to step out of my little comfort zone and do something that's more challenging, that's more engaging with the community. And because I already, I used to do this before, I I loved it. And it's, you know how it's like when you, when you really do something, you don't understand how much you enjoy doing it unless you step out of that zone for a while. Yeah. So that was my case. And then, so now I'm, I jump back into community work and yeah, humanitarian services, which I find, um, it's more challenging in terms of intellectual capacity and, growing as a person and learning so yeah
0: and i think darwin is the perfect place for community work right there is a lot of potential here
2: i totally agree i totally agree and and it's a great place for me personally i have this opinion that darwin is a it's a great place for people to actually start something new because there's so much opportunity here and much less competition than any other big city so you really have your space to grow and to innovate and to learn and do new things. And there's more opportunity, it's just that. And
0: it's interesting, you, you really spent plenty of time to choose if you want to go to Darwin or Canada or Melbourne. Uh, in my case, it was a decision in five minutes. I heard the weather here is good in June, so I decided <laughs> to come to Darwin. And I, really, I, I don't regret it because... I mean, Darwin is a special city to me as well. The people are so nice. It's laid back. It's also the total opposite um, to back in Switzerland when I was living uh, near Zurich. The people are always busy there, and you know, the economy and the work is on the number one place. And that's totally different here in Darwin. That's what I like. The people enjoy life more. They're socializing a lot. They're helping each other, and that's really nice.
1: Yeah, Dennis, let me say, I'm sorry, Sunday, I'm, I'm totally attracted by your life experience and I'm still thinking how great uh, you are because you're playing everything as perfect and uh, you are not a guy that say, okay, I can do this, just do it. No, you always think what is the best choice for you. So I'm very, very attracted by your mind yes yeah it's very good thank
2: thank you so much i try i mean i can't say life um i always tell people that life is a journey and we all have our own special journey and no no two journeys are are similar or alike in every manner and i can't say that my life hasn't been challenging and there has been a lot of ups and downs and frustrations but end of the day it's kind of like you have a choice of whether you, you do it or you don't. And yeah, it's, it's a hard decision sometimes, but I think there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And if you, if you have some kind of goal set in your future and you really try even a little bit and slowly it gets better and better, eventually I think we all get to our goals
1: yes it's true and i think traveling is the best way to grow up and uh it's kind of experience that if you don't travel you can't have and you can't understand many things in life
2: exactly
0: so um i i also heard that you won many prizes here in darwin as a student you won international student of the year vocal student of the year um Many achievements how, how, how did you how did you did that? How did you well, go all these prizes?
2: when I came to Darwin, um, everything everything in my life kind of changed, like my perception about people, about what we can achieve, everything changed because the environment here, like you said, Dennis, is the people here are so kind and they're so social and they're so heartwarming like they won't give you cold looks. I still remember the first day. I walked up to the city and I was just walking down this just beside this bar, Ducks Nuts, but it was closed. That like, but now it's closed. But I was just walking by and then this random guy, he just came up to me and he's like, Hey, mate, how you going? And I just gave him, <laughs> you know, and I just, I was like startled because I'm not used to that kind of, you know, friendly gesture on the street from a random person I don't know. And I just yeah. gave him this weird look and I'm like, do i know you from somewhere <laughs> yeah and and then I, I i slowly realized that that was really common here it's very normal for someone to just like be like hey man you going good everything all right and you know and i loved that about this city and it really made me gave me a lot of inspiration so going back to the words um, when I was studying in hospitality, I really, because with my experience, I wanted to really come here and do the best that I can and be the best person that I can be. So as soon as I uh, landed the job in the casino, um, started working in the bar, I, I, I rose up really fast to any challenges, got um, promoted to... Um, senior bartender which is kind of like a duty manager in their terms and and then my my principal Benita she's she's an adorable person like she inspired and encouraged me to do so many things and but what led me to these awards was the international um, student ambassador program by study NT so this one random day I found this post um on Facebook, I think, and it was like, do you want to become a student ambassador, like an international student ambassador? And that whole concept of becoming an international student ambassador was so appealing to me. Like, wow, what would I be doing They're Like you'd be promoting the NT for higher education and telling people about your stories and your experiences and why they should choose Darwin as a, a, a study destination of choice. And I, and I was so fascinated by that because that was my life experience. Like I could tell my story and maybe that would inspire other people to come here. And so then I was like, okay, now I need to, once I got that um, title and I got into that program as an international student ambassador, um, while we're going through that program in the year and then, um, one of our uh, coordinators, Larney, she was like, "Um, have you applied for the International Student of the Year Award? And there's another one, the Vocational Student of the Year Award. And for me, when I heard those two things, it was like, okay, this is how I'm going to substantiate my title. And this is why, if I win, and people will hear my stories and, and they'll be more inspired, like, wow, he's not only an ambassador, he's also one, he also has recognition. So... You know, that will give my, everything that I say, more substance and people will have more reason to believe that I'm just not like every other person, just, you know, trying to sell. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's how I got into these awards. And my principal, Benita, she always, always, I was one of the top students in school. And she always used to encourage me, like, Sunday, you got to do this. You got to do that. Just go for it. It doesn't matter if you don't get it. And and she nominated me both times, which was amazing. So yeah, that was just that little step and that little bit of courage and push that got me in. And then, yeah, somehow magic happened and I won two awards. Was, <laughs> it,
0: was it a hard competition?
2: Um, well, not really, but it was competitive, I would say. Um, the vocational student of the year was more competitive. Um, International Student of the Year was also competitive because I was competing against Ben. <laughs> we all know Ben. Yeah. He's like the face. Yes.
1: Of <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, and some other remarkable people like Jers and Amy and like Manfred. Like everyone, like this, this whole community. And it's, it's so amazing, these people. They're so inspirational. So the process, I would say, is not that complicated. It only requires you to fill up an application form um, for international student of the year, which is why I always encourage every international student that I meet. And I tell them, Hey, did you know about the student ambassador program? Have you applied for the awards? And they're like, everyone gets a bit intimidated and they're like, Oh, what if I don't win? I was like, Oh, you gotta be in it to win it. (laughs) If you don't don't submit an application, you're not going to win. But if you give it a go, who knows what's gonna happen? Yeah, regardless, you should always
0: you should always focus on the first place and not second or third.
2: Yeah, and regardless, you walk away with a great experience and you make great friends. So the only reason why I I, I like one of the re- major reasons why I really wanted to join that ambassador program was because I wanted to build a different um, social connection with people. So I was new in Darwin. I wanted to make friends. I wanted to establish. Um, different networks, get to know people. And, yeah, I I took back a lot in experience. Even if I didn't win any of the prizes, I would still say that I'm very happy and grateful that I I was able to um, experience all those moments and get to know all these wonderful people personally, like as friends.
0: Yeah, I believe that. Uh, So, And you would recommend all the international students in Darwin to apply for the... International Students Ambassador, right?
2: Yeah, I highly recommend it to everyone. I'm like, even though they only select 20 every year, but you can always apply every single year. So there's always a chance. And I think that people who are really determined and want to um, gain different experiences and meet different people from different cultures, it, it is the greatest pathway to kind of like establishing a social network that you can really benefit off of in many ways, like maybe just by
1: friendship in itself. And then, let me say, we have nothing to lose, so it's worth it. I mean, just try it. Yeah,
2: exactly. There's nothing to lose. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a win-win situation. You you go in as a winner and you come out as a winner. If you get anything yeah. extra, a like bonus. Yes,
1: and
0: Sunday, I would like to go back. And you said you were working in the casino, right? Yeah. But I heard uh, you had to try a few times to get the job there.
2: Yeah, actually, it was quite a big. It was a bit frustrating at first. I had to apply, I think, almost about seven times, I think, I got rejected before I got called in.
1: <laughs> wow.
2: Huh. Yeah, I was persistent, though. And every time I would submit an application, I would check. I would check updates every day. And yeah, because for me, I was which is the biggest place in Darwin, and the casino is the biggest venue. Because having been learning hospitality, working in a five star um, venue, I I didn't want to work for a small bar.
1: And how was your experience in the casino?
2: Oh, the casino changed my life. Um, Because before in Malaysia, um, I was more like a. A bar manager so I wasn't really behind the bar and in the club I was also managing the club but I wasn't really making drinks so I was more about the um, delivering service and making sure everything's going right and stuff like that but I really had a passion for making drinks and as soon as I came to Australia when I got my job in, in the casino I started really making cocktails and then I won my first cocktail competition and then it just hit off from there and after that, I've been winning competitions, like local competitions quite often. And I made a name for myself here um, amongst the bar scene. And it's been a great journey. And I have a lot of support from my mentors there at the casino. Like my manager, Ollie, he's he's great. He's sometimes can be a really big pain in the ass, but <laughs> he, like, yeah. I mean, but his support, he always supports us. He always supported me and then even my team leader Poya he's he's taught me so much and and everyone else in my team in Sanbar they've been amazing and not, not to mention the just the bartender community here everyone helps everyone it's such a good feeling
0: um can you use your experience as bartender or the experience that you got in the hospitality somehow in in the community work
2: yeah there are some aspects i do think about this quite often that um um, I have been asked this question quite uh, quite a lot. And I think the way I can use that in community work is because in even when you're in the bar, you have to engage with the customer. You have to learn to listen. And you have to learn to kind of understand what they're going through. And in, in community work, it's a lot the same. You, you're dealing with people. And you're dealing with people's emotions. and you And you have to understand the situation. And you have to be able to understand what they're going through to, to be able to offer them anything at all. Otherwise, it just comes off as a threat. And I think hospitality really, it makes you into a humble person. When you work in hospitality, you learn to be humble, you learn to step back, you learn to work as a team. And I think teamwork is a big, big thing in community work as well that um, is really important because most often we'll be working in teams um, different community groups, um, working with different people from different um, places, and meeting people with different cultures, and so learning about like and accepting different cultures. It's it's also diff- like it's challenging. Yeah, So yeah, those skills can be transferable.
0: But I think you also learn a lot about yourself if you work with people from the other cultures that you exactly. have like uh, some some. Points of view that other people other cultures have a totally different one right and then you need to find like a good middle way
2: absolutely totally agree yeah
0: so let's move on to the current situation Sunday what kind of impact did uh, COVID-19 had on your life
2: yeah that's a good one (laughs) so this whole pandemic has has pretty severe impact um on my life and my partner's life and um The impact is more about the future Um, since the pandemic and everything's shut down. um, Both of us have been unemployed and I had this financial plan set up um, since I came to Australia, um, a savings plan um, to pay my tuition for everyday expenses and everything basically. And for the whole future, like after I, I like, graduate and so the whole everything just went upside down when i lost like when i was stood down and it kind of it was very frustrating it is it is still sometimes it bothers me and i wonder oh what am i gonna do um yeah so it has been pretty stressful for me in terms of finance um but yeah
1: (laughs) we will survive in somehow.
2: We don't have other options. True, exactly, and when I, it's like there's no turning back now. Um, There is no option to go back, or so. I mean, I think we we are quite quite fortunate to be up in the territory, and I mean, at least we're healthy and safe.
1: Yes, I think we are very lucky in Darwin, especially in Northern Territory, because the coronavirus cases are not too many and. I keep this situation
2: very safe. Yeah, absolutely. Other than that, I mean, with financial assistance and stuff, it's. I did receive a scholarship grant from CDU. Um, I won't go into oh, amounts, that's great. but. And the fact that we can withdraw our super, it does help. It is a, a bit of consolation for me because, um, that way, I, I at least I know I can pay for my tuition, for at least another semester. So.
0: Do you feel like um you get enough help from the government and your employee?
2: Well, to be honest, um before I heard that Canada countries like Canada and America are actually giving government welfare support to all their tax paying citizens, I was quite upset and really like disappointed thinking that, oh, I should have gone to Canada, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But then at the same time, I was like, well, if I went to Canada, maybe all this magic would have never happened. But that was just a small, you know, just like a a defense mechanism in the mind be like, yeah, okay, you should have, I told you you should have done that. But yeah, I mean, it is a very controversial debate and I totally understand that. And it's definitely not easy for governments to make such decisions and I feel Australia sometimes always it's, it's like a it's like a follower it doesn't lead the pack but it follows so it follows what like follows the United Kingdom or it follows America watches everyone do something and then they'll react
1: but Sunday which part of Canada were you thinking to experience oh it would
2: be regional Canada so I was thinking um, Nova Scotia or British Columbia yeah
1: Yeah. because I can tell you I was also thinking about Canada a few years ago and I went there uh, and actually I have family there auntie and cousins in Toronto but I can tell you I went there a few months just to see how is the city and the situation and you know Toronto is a big city and yeah, the life is very good. The government is perfect. I think they have uh, very good laws, but there is something that I don't like, and mm-hmm. people are never like happy like in Australia. I mean,
2: yeah, I totally understand. The weather,
1: the, the impact of the weather, very affects a lot the people's moods, and it's yeah. true. It's very true. Because in there, people are, yeah, it's not that are not happy. But They're all it's <laughs> Yeah, it's different. It's so cold. And I can tell you, I hate that part of uh, the Canada because it was bloody cold. And I said, no, I cannot live like this all the year. <laughs> and, you know, they have two months that is warm. It's not hot. It's warm. So that's why I decided no, I cannot live like this, and I will regret for all my life living in Canada. And it's too cold.
2: <laughs> true, true. Yeah, no, I don't have any regrets that I came to Australia, and um, especially I think I think the territory is trying to do its best. Um, I mean, hats off to our chief minister and everything. Like even the fact that they've made JobKeeper available now to international students, well, even a portion of it, I think yeah. that still helps. It still helps. I mean.
1: Yeah, yeah. I want to be optimistic.
2: I
0: feel like the international students community here in Darwin or in the whole NT is really, really strong and we try to create things together. I don't know how it is yeah. in the other states.
2: No, yeah, true. I, I really, I, I really, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, I haven't heard of such community support anywhere in Australia, the kind of community support that we're getting here and the initiatives that are all taken by international students, like what you guys are doing right here. And then all these food banks and these little, like with the kindness shake. And I can tell you that I have not cooked a meal in the last two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So, and it's amazing. I mean, I never expect such hospitality, such kindness from people and generosity. And like, sometimes they actually call me and they're like, hey, Sunday, we already reserved some meals for you. Come pick it up. And I'm like, yeah.
1: Yeah, Sunday, I can (laughs) tell you, my husband is in Italy. And he said, how is possible that you have so much support in Australia? And I'm Italian and I'm not receiving anything from the government or from other associations.
0: So, Sande, how is the situation at the moment back in Bangladesh?
1: Yeah, the
2: situation in Bangladesh is is quite serious. Um, It's bad because Bangladesh is such a heavily populated country and for a country it's really small. And because of the religious nature that's predominant in the society in Bangladesh, some people are just not listening. So, like recently I heard this story where... um, some religious he was he's like a religious leader or someone people follow and he died and then there was like a mass gathering of god knows like thousands of people which was ridiculous and yeah and and social welfare in bangladesh is so bad and like your the medical system is is built for the wealthy so if you're poor um you're pretty much screwed like to get adequate healthcare, it's not possible. And even if you get it, it's 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 really poor, poor healthcare. It's like you're more likely to die in the hospital than get treated. It's that bad.
0: But I felt like I mean, made made in Bangladesh is uh, famous in the whole world, right? So the people work a lot over there.
2: Yeah, I think seventy um, percent of the world's garment industry is from Bangladesh. Like <laughs> every time I go to Kmart or big w and i try to buy cheap clothes and stuff <laughs> and every time i see all my clothes are made in bangladesh and sometimes I, I joke with my parents i'm like i came all the way to australia to buy clothes that are made in bangladesh, bangladesh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, ridiculous yeah <laughs> i could buy, buy this for half the price
0: <laughs> if you if you buy cheap clothes like that, do you think back where the clothes are coming from? Do you think maybe the people made the shirt in a horrible no. condition?
2: They don't get what they're paying for. Like, they don't get anything to be honest. Like, it's so bad. Work health safety regul- There's no work health safety in Bangladesh. Like this one. There's this one incident where um, a garments factory literally collapsed. Building collapsed and killed. Over a thousand workers, and none of their families were compensated by the company. So that's how bad. People just make profits. Like the big businessmen, they just they sell the garments for a high price here, but they don't pay their labor what they deserve. And it's cheap labor over there.
0: When if uh, so, you still have family there, right?
2: Um. Yeah, my mom and dad still live in Bangladesh. Um. My. Um. My. Cousins and my aunts and uncles, they all live in Bangladesh. But my, my three brothers have gone back to the States.
0: We, are, we also have a very uh, famous Bangladesh man in uh, Switzerland. The general manager of Google Switzerland is from Bangladesh.
2: Really? Yes. <laughs> I did not know. Wow. Yes.
0: So maybe it's also good. Uh, it would maybe also be a good country for you.
2: Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe.
0: <laughs> but um, so, how are your future plans? You said you call home wherever you feel comfortable. So, what do you think? How long will you call Darwin your home?
2: Well, hopefully, Darwin will be my final home. That's um, that's my hope and my desire, um, which is primarily why I I actually went back into community work, and I'm hoping that everything will work out as planned and once i finish my degree here um, i can apply for the permanent residency and start working in this field Um, probably i I would love to work in a regional community um, with um, indigenous australians as well kind of learn new cultures and meet different people Um, i always love um, learning new cultures Um, it's what I used, that's how I actually learned about my own culture. When I, when I went back from America to Bangladesh and my aunt was like, you know, the best way for you to learn our culture is to mix with the people. Why don't you work with me? And we'll take you around different villages. You can work in small communities. You just share your knowledge. Um, you just listen to their, their, what they have to say. And, and that's what I did. And that's how I learned. I used to go around remote villages, go to schools, talk to the teachers, talk to the children. Um, when the community workers would go out um, to talk to the village leaders about stuff like child marriage or child labor and why, should they, why they should um, send their children to school and not just make them work on the lands. And that whole engagement, it, it gave me that understanding of the culture and different cultures and how people have different ways of looking at things and understanding things. And I think that's... That's what I found that really motivated me here. Um, It took me a while of doing something else to kind of realize that this is really what I want to do.
1: Yeah, I think your family is very proud of what you did until now and what you're doing. And I feel like, seriously, I want to go out and change my life better. And yeah, you're very motivational.
2: Thank you. That is a very big compliment.
0: Yeah, I think many people yeah, will say true. after this podcast that wanna be like Sunday.
2: Yeah, I think so. I hope I can inspire um people. That is that is my true true aim. Um I think it was even in my victory speech I was um my vision is I aspire to inspire others. And and if people like if I go really deep into my story, it when when people I only do that with really, really close friends and and a lot of people know that life has not been that easy for me. It has been very challenging and I had to go through a lot to come here. And I don't come from a very wealthy family. So it was very difficult. But the fact that it is possible, I just want to be that example. And I always I'd like that that's that would be a dream come true for me. To be able to meet someone and be like, Hey Sunday, you know what? I did this because of you and you were so inspiring and look at me now. I'm such a big success. And yeah, that would be one of those great moments in life.
0: <laughs> and usually people who are first in a bad spot in a bad space, space, maybe not too rich and had many bad experience. They appreciate the moment much more when they are in a good spot, they reached many goals and everything. So I think you are enjoying it now really a lot.
2: Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. It's, it's because you know what you have to lose and you know what it's like on the other side and just appreciate everything more because you know how much it took for you to come
1: to this position.
2: And yeah, it's not getting any easier. I I can't say it's getting any easier, but there's definitely more hope.
1: Yeah, I can understand you perfectly, Sunday, because this is a very bad period.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, for everyone. Sunday. How do you how do you keep yourself fit at the moment or how do you keep yourself calm? Do you have some special routine?
2: Um I I was I had a really good routine before. I would I would um hit the gym about three, four times a week. Um it is challenging when you're working in a bar. Uh, we have mixed shifts different times, but I used to still make time. Um but to be fairly honest, since um I lost my job and then technically i didn't lose my job but i'm stood down so i'm technically unemployed so it has been a very challenging first couple of weeks where i was really stressed out and i didn't get much done um just spending a lot of time on netflix just trying to get time to pass by but then um i started to realize that um i'm going back into that same place where i once was a very long time ago and I don't want to be in that place anymore and I don't, I don't want to lose what I have. And a big inspiration to me during this crisis period was my partner, um, Safina, like she she started really motivating me by, she was like, okay, let's let's do some home exercises. And she kept doing it. At first I was like, I, I didn't join her and stuff. And then when she was so persistent at it, and then I kept seeing her and then she's like, well, we can do this together. And I started doing that. and. Now we have this little routine where we wake up. Um, we'll do like this 10-minute workout. It doesn't take much time. 10, 15 minutes. If we feel really energetic, we'll probably do like a 20 or 30-minute exercise together.
1: And mm. then we'll have
2: lunch. Um, she, she'll do some studying. Um, she has a hobby in astrology, so she's always like studying that stuff. And then I'll do some studying. And
1: Is your partner from Bangladesh too?
2: No, my partner is actually from China.
1: Oh, it's a very good mix. (laughs) Yeah,
2: (laughs) it's a good mix. Um, So yeah, that's pretty much routine is just wake up early. Um, Obviously, we wake up early now because we don't do anything all day. (laughs) Like, can't really go anywhere. Not much excitement. Try to just um, stay at home. We watch a movie every night. Just try to... Um, improvise our meals. We get a lot of um, um, food from um, like those places, everyone that's offering food. So we kind of mix and match, and sometimes we'll try and cook something to add on to it.
0: I just wanted to recommend you guys there's a new series on Netflix about it's called The Last Dance and it's about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. No way. It's that's
2: really, really <laughs>
0: inspiring and it's really, really good.
2: Last Dance. I'm definitely going to check that out because I used to be... I was full-on basketball player in my, in high school. So, yeah. Oh, you see.
0: Yeah, I think in that period, everyone wanted to be like Mike. And Michael Jordan yeah, was a big definitely. inspiration for many, many
2: people.
1: Uh, he's definitely. a legend. He's a legend.
2: He can fly.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, it is true. But guys, I think we are... In uh this interview, it's been a great, great experience with you, Sunday. I feel very optimistic and positive about life in Darwin, seriously.
2: Thank you so much. It's the feelings mutual. I, I feel so good talking to to you guys as well. You guys have that spirit. I can I can feel it.
1: Oh
0: it's wow. Good. That's also great feedback <laughs> from you. Thank you. But yeah, thank you. I would like to ask uh, one more question so what what will the first thing be that you are going to do after a coronavirus crisis? What will the first bar be that you are going to going to drink a beer or meet your friends
2: <laughs> I don't know probably yeah, definitely we'll have a get together with friends meet up um probably i don't know probably go bar hopping. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, every bartender this visit.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's. let me say that it's very good that we know Sunday now. So after this period, we will drink his delicious cocktail.
2: Definitely, anytime.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's always useful to know someone that is very good on making cocktails.
2: Oh, I totally agree with that. It's always yeah. very good. <laughs> know someone in the bar. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And yeah, that's true.
0: What's your favorite drink?
2: Oh, my favorite drink. Depends on my mood, really. But if you were to ask me my most, most favorite drink of all time, it would probably be a Negroni.
1: Wow. I used (laughs) to drink that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I love Campari. I love, I love Campari and I love Italian vermouth. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: But now I love... I don't know why I changed my my taste and I usually drink spritz. Spritz, yeah. Oh
2: spritz. Spritz. Oh.
1: Yes. Nice. But the only problem here, the alcohol is too expensive.
2: Yeah, it is. It's pretty expensive.
1: Yes. And Dennis, what's your favorite drink?
0: My favorite drink, uh Long Island iced tea. You know it's simple. Oh, wow. And you, and you feel good <laughs> afterwards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I <like> sit <sighs> <up. laughs>
0: so Francesco, do you have any last question for Sunday? I think
1: no. I think I think Sunday. Uh, as I told you before, I don't want to be repetitive. You're uh, you have a great experience. Your life is amazing, and uh, I wish you the best. Seriously, because you really need the best.
2: Thank you. i um, I'm probably blushing, but. Um, I'll pretend that never happened.
0: No. It's only audio. <laughs> Don't worry, it's only audio. <laughs> yeah, we really appreciate your time, Sunday, and should, yeah, and you, it was really a good. Uh, it was really good to chat to you. So you have the last words. You can say the last message to the students, to the listeners.
2: Well, um, first off, I, I want to thank you guys as well, Dennis, and Francesca. You guys have been amazing. Thank you for having me. Um, my last words would be. Basically, to all the international students, is um, don't lose hope. Um, it, life is always going to throw you a curveball, and you just got to be brave and have the courage to face it. Um, never let fear subside because um, you always have to remember that there's always someone else that's going through a far harder crisis and situation and experience in their life than you are right now there's always someone else that's going through far worse. So if you always keep that in mind and, and just look forward and try to be humble as much as it is very hard to sometimes, um, be that way and hold that kind of, um, situation in life with everything going around. But if you just, even for a moment, just step back and just count your blessings, maybe call your family, get in touch with some close friends. You'll see that life is life has more to offer and, As long as you have a little goal and you persistently walk towards it, I promise you that one day you will reach your goal because everyone who has that little goal and works hard for it, they all reach their goals. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I have to say.
0: Thank you very much if you were listening till the end. We really had fun in this podcast. It was a great talk. So if you think you also have something interesting to share or some interesting stories that could be helpful for the international students community, please reach out to us, write us on Facebook or an email. And goodbye.